0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Shakespeare Series with MyEntertainmentWorld.ca. I'm your host, Kelly Bedard. Today, we're talking about Winter's Tale with Jeanette Lambermont-Mori, who uh, a lot of people who work in Toronto Theatre, most people who work in Toronto Theatre, in my experience, um, hear the name Jeanette Lambermont-Mori and go, oh, my God, I love Jeanette. Um, She's the loveliest person in the world. She teaches at George Brown, um, among other places, and everybody knows her work. Um, She's a director as well. But she is a huge Shakespeare, just like she wouldn't she wouldn't call herself an expert. And that's kind of part of Jeanette's charm. Um, But she really is an expert um, and she's certainly an enthusiast. Um, I always say that listening to Jeanette talk about Shakespeare is one of my favorite things in in the whole world to do. Um, The enthusiasm and the knowledge combined is just so cool. Um, she really wanted to talk about Hamlet, actually, because she just finished directing a production out east. Uh, But I wanted to save her for something that was maybe a little bit trickier, something that not everybody was going to be able to talk about um, in as much detail. Uh, So I had her pick her second favorite, which is The Winter's Tale and uh or A Winter's Tale, The Winter's Tale. I should probably look that up. I think it's A Winter's Tale. Anyway, um <laughs> stay tuned everyone to hear me speak about in depth about this uh show I don't know the title of. Um but Winter's Tale is a weird play. Um it, it's uh, maybe not Shakespeare's most popular, but it's also not down at that very bottom rung with things people don't know he wrote like, you know, The Pericles of the World. Uh, Winter's Tale has gotten a fair number of productions, um especially with the Groundling production Um, Happening twice in the last couple years. It's sort of had a little bit of a resurgence. It's a strange one. It's um, set in sort of two different worlds. It's tonally all sorts of all over the place. But Jeanette really makes sense of it in a way that I think is really illuminating. So I'm excited for you to hear that conversation. Um, In the meantime, you know the drill rate and review, subscribe on iTunes. Myentertainmentworld.ca is the website where you can find all of our written material as well as all of our podcasts. Twitter and Instagram are both at myentworld, myentworld. And that's about it. I'll see you on the other side. So, Jeanette, you picked Winter's Tale, and yes. you—actually, Winter's Tale was your second choice. You wanted Hamlet, but <laughs> Matt Addison fought you for it. Um, so, first, let's start with a synopsis. Okay. Wikipedia, it can't figure out Winter's Tale, because it's Winter. one of the crazy ones. Yes. So, what can you tell us—a couple
1: sentences— Winter's Tale. The plot. Okay. Well, the important stuff to know is that uh, there's this King of Sicilia, and uh, he suddenly becomes very jealous that his best friend, the King of Bohemia, is having an affair with his wife. He his jealousy. He's he's enraged with jealousy and uh, completely overreacts. Um, he c- accuses his wife of adultery. He um, sentences her to death. Their young son in uh, uh, their prince, uh, the prince, dies from. Heart. I don't know very
0: grief things being Um, yelled at by dad and
1: and, uh, uh, Leontes is immediately um, contrite and he realizes he was wrong Um, and then we jump 16 years to uh, Bohemia where um, his young daughter, we later find out that it's his young daughter who's grown up, she's 16 years old she ends up getting together with Bohemia's son and they all end up back in Sicilia and everyone is reconciled That's the real kind of arc. That's the overview arc of the story. There's a lot more going on, but that's the sort of important stuff to hang our hat on along the way.
0: So then why Winter's Tale? What is your history with the play and what draws you to the play? All right.
1: Well, I I absolutely love this play. I've I've directed it a couple of times, which um, I take uh, to mean that I don't know anything about it yet. (laughs) You know, directing it twice is only the beginning, only just scratching the surface. Uh, It's so uh, complex and fabulous and... Uh, compelling. Um, I think the two things that attract me to it are um, clearly Shakespeare was, he had two things that he was really interested in when he had approached this play. One was the concept of time because this is one of the plays that he wrote later on, as you know because you have already talked about Cymbeline, um, and time was becoming important to him and uh, he was uh, interested in showing long progression of time on stage, and the other is his interest in jealousy, which we see also in Othello, and and that's probably my first point of entry is the this notion of, of jealousy because um, in Othello, obviously where uh, that play deals with the incremental slow um, uh, planting of the seeds of jealousy by Iago in Othello. And the play basically is, the entire length of the play is that progression of that jealousy forming, right? Whereas in Winter's Tale, it all happens in an instant. It's in a, you know, one minute it's white, the next minute it's black. And that really interests me because it's also part of that notion of you can't unsee something, right? We, uh, you're happily going along with one one idea and you suddenly observe something that doesn't make sense, that doesn't compute, and boom, you can't unsee it. And that's what happens to Leontes. And I know there's a lot written about how it's too fast, and I've seen a, a number of productions where the actor playing Leontes is trying to show us in the opening part of that scene that he's actually already feeling jealous and he's suspicious. But I don't think that's in the play at all. I don't think there's any evidence in the play that he's already jealous. I think what Shakespeare is showing us is that instant, that moment where he looks and double does a little double take. Oh my God, that was too hot, too hot. And th- he crashes, right, he falls over a cliff um, and tumbles down into a sort of insanity, mm-hmm. uh, which is what Shakespeare is interested in telling us about and how that simple act of being suspicious be- throws him into a place that uh, he almost becomes evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and his actions are extreme. So I'm really interested in that. And I'm so interested in this 16-year gap. Again, there's lots, you know, if you read the scholars and read the what's written about this play, um, you know, one of the first things that's mentioned is that that's kind of problematic, that, the, that there's a 16-year gap, and we don't know what happened in those years. But I find it really interesting. Uh, first of all, of course, it's necessary for there to be enough time for Perdita, the daughter, to grow up. So there has to be enough time for that. Also, because I think Shakespeare was interested in what happens to us, how does time affect healing or uh, redemption? Um, how, do, how does one live with that kind of burden? And that, that's really interesting, if you've committed a crime, how do you go on living? is will it eventually heal itself is what how much is enough time mm-hmm. and so I actually find those 16 years really really interesting on stage for an audience you don't need to know what has happened in those 16 years the audience doesn't need to know that it's incredibly well structured the play is brilliantly structured and you just accept it that there's a jump in time and time comes out as a character and mm-hmm. tells us that there's a jump in time but I'm interested in what happened in those 16 years because when we come back to Cecilia at the end of the play, we need to, when you're staging the play, you need to see what we've come back to. What's different? How, what has happened to Leontes and Polina in those 16 years? And that just gets the imagination <laughs> rolling, right? It's fabulous and as a woman thinking, uh, you know, obviously Polina had cooked something up, she gave Hermione a potion to take to um, uh, to make it appear that she was dead but she wasn't so where she must have kept her mm-hmm. somewhere I, we also know from the play that Paulina has five daughters it's a, it's mentioned only once mm-hmm. in passing but that also interested me so she's living somewhere by herself because her husband is killed over the course of the action of the play by so she, bear yeah that's right <laughs> by, just by a little thing by a bear um, yeah, so she's living alone presumably with her five daughters and she brings Hermione into that household and somehow they come up with the idea of this statue so in my dream imagination I've, I've pictured this courtyard outside of her house a pouring rainstorm and the ground all becomes mud and there is mad Hermione out there in the mud um covered in mud and building things and Paulina gets the idea of the living statue. I don't know. I mean, I'm making that up, and it doesn't matter. You don't have to know that or not know that if you see the play. Right. But it, 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 it awakened a kind of wonderful female bonding story for me mm-hmm. in the middle of, of Winter's Tale, right? It's such a female empowerment story. Um, and that Paulina is biding her time, she's watching Leontes to see what he needs to go through to be able to forgive himself. We don't get to see that. That's in the 16 years that's off stage, but that has to have been happening. She's observing him closely. What does it take to forgive yourself, and is it possible? Mm -hmm. Can you forgive yourself when you've done something that horrible, right? Um, So, when we rejoin them, what does that household look like?
0: You know, how how does it
1: operate? One time I did it, uh, i imagined that leontes had been beating himself in his penance mm-hmm. uh, for 16 years so he's now quite crippled and in a wheelchair and like or struggling to and that Paulinus you know follows him and whispers in his ear all the time push him push him push him push him um, to to force him through that last keyhole that last opening to get him mm-hmm. uh, to get him to a place that he could forgive himself so, okay, anyway, that was the long answer <laughs> to your question.
0: <laughs> well, and my next question is is how does it work in 2017 it's interesting to hear you talk about this idea of female empowerment because that's not something that immediately occurs to me when I see a lot of productions of this play because right. what strikes me I get so caught up in the male aggression in that yep. first act or two the the um, the male aggression the slut shaming yep. all of that kind of stuff and yep. then how it flies in 2017 is sort of a whole different animal well I
1: agree with you except that that's not where the play ends exactly you know wow. if that's where the play ended I'd be 100% but on board. But what, although we don't see it, it is it, it inherently and intrinsically there. The women have had to bond together to find a way. And it is the women in the end that emerge mm-hmm. um, uh, whole, even though you know, terrible things have been done to all of them.
0: Do you think that's somehow reshaped in a contemporary production, though? This idea of the women, the redemption and the future lying with them?
1: Um, possibly. I mean, it's hard to separate those uh, now. I know what you mean. Although I do think that the fabric of that is so clearly in the play. Uh, you, we don't have to jump through any hoops or change anything to bring that to the foreground, mm-hmm. um, and how the characters are played, I guess, w- you know, will affect that. Uh, uh, how we see that. How we see those women. Um, I mean, one of the things that I uh, I always feel about Shakespeare's work in general is how he's able to write such extraordinary women given the conditions that he's writing for and that um, women, of course, weren't playing those parts. Um, But there's still female entities that are important to Shakespeare and need to be given prominence on stage and prominence in his stories and very uh, contemporary to us in their sensibilities. So I don't know. I don't know do you think there is
0: anything in the play that or a certain interpretation of certain characters that needs to be altered a little bit to be seen in a contemporary light
1: not for me no um I'm not sure what you mean
0: well, just a lot of a lot of his plays. Uh, so, the *Merchant of Venice* is yes. sort of the classic example, yes, right? Yes, Something yes, yes, that's yes. been reshaped by the years that have followed, and now yes. certain characters are interpreted a certain way and presented a slightly different way I, I in order mean. to fly for a contemporary audience. If you're setting it in
1: 2017, right? Like to, to, to sort of um, nudge out. Uh, yeah, like with Merchant of Venice, uh, uh, pulling Jessica out a little bit more, and at the end giving her a moment at the end. That's that's often done, indeed. But it's minor, right? That's a minor adjustment because with Merchant of Venice, because here we go. Now I'm to talk about Merchant of Venice. <laughs> talk uh, about whatever you yes, want. <laughs> but with with Merchant of Venice, I feel that Shakespeare was very, very interested in telling a positive, in um, very important story that he uh, would, would be, have been politically different, difficult for him to tell. Mm-hmm. So that his Shylock is as much uh, a hero as he could possibly write him. He would never have written that text uh, that, that, that Shylock speaks without yeah. loving that character, right? But he has to place it in a context where it can be produced. I mean, uh, it, one of the interesting things about Shakespeare was that his, he really didn't meet much censorship he managed to dodge those bullets because everything was had to be approved by the censors, right? Whereas his good friend Ben Johnson was thrown in jail several times because he couldn't resist speaking out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that the, there's an interesting dance that that Shakespeare does too, and that so from our point of view now, looking back on that material, um, we see what's below the surface more readily because that's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but so back to *Winter's Tale*. Um, I don't see those same difficulties with this play. I mean, it's not like *Shrew* and it's not like *Merchant*. Um, I mean, I yeah, no, I don't, I don't. I, I think the story can be told straightforwardly. The other th- interesting thing about *but* *Winter's Tale* is how well it plays mm-hmm. on stage. I mean, it, it's one thing on, on uh, in the book. It's one thing on the paper, and it's another experience on stage. Um, so one can break it apart on you know, uh, um, on a scholarly level, and a literary level. Um, and then when you see it on stage, all those problems disappear. <laughs> uh, funny how theater uh, has a power all its own. Can you give an example? The, um, yeah, I can. The statue. The statue coming to life. On paper, that looks like that could never work. Mm-hmm. And, and I've heard many people say that. Um, it seems like a stupid idea, right? Oh, yeah, sure, she's a statue. How dumb is he? But I, I've seen some pretty poor productions of, of a Winter's Tale <laughs> in my time, but that scene always works. Weirdly, because there's a theatrical magic mm-hmm. in that moment um, that's more powerful than... It's a theater gods speaking. Right. And yes, we, yes it is possible. It is kind of magical, um, but it's magical in a way that we all all are so happy to buy into. Um, so yeah. Um, but are you leading me to a something specific that you I'm not are... leading you anywhere. Oh, I'm, okay. just asking. I'm just I'm curious. <laughs> no, I, if there's I, something in the play that you that you would want to change. Would you... No
0: one of one of my questions is always how does this play mm. work in 2017? Um, so it's just Got interesting. You. Usually right. uh, people always say, well, this has changed, this changes, yeah. this changes, and it, it just sounded like you were like right. oh, no. So, I wanted to, uh, I wanted
1: confirmation. Yeah, on that. yeah. No, I mean, I think what might change is how I work on the play or how we deal with it in rehearsal, how we talk about those, particularly those 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, that might take on more of a, a significance that, than perhaps it would have been. Mm-hmm. You just skip over the 16 years and say, now everybody's grown up and here we go. Right. So, that might change in the process of working it, but I don't think you have to, we would have to change anything in the text itself mm-hmm. to, to be completely acceptable.
0: And speaking of Merchant of Venice, uh, Winter's Tale is one of those plays that was technically a comedy, yes. now isn't really necessarily a straight comedy. It's called a problem play or romance or whatever you want to yeah, call romance. it. Yeah, romance, yeah. Um, and it has this strange tonal shift. The middle section really does feel yeah. like a sort of an as-you-like-it-ish yeah. comedy, and yeah. there's some intense tragedy on the two ends. How yeah. do you
1: reconcile those two tones and make it all feel like one cohesive world? I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. I think that actually makes for more brilliant theatre. It doesn't all have to have one tone or one world. Um, and it, it, those kind of radical shifts that happen to us in the theatre are in fact part of what makes theatre so amazing. And that we love that. And we will go with that. The the the, the um, sharp, what we were talking about before, that instant of recognition on too hot, too hot, that sort of, rapid change also applies to the shift uh, to Bohemia is also immediate, right? Those So the, the play is full of hairpin turns in that way and I think that's, are we good? I think that's um, a, a part of what makes it uh, extremely well written. I know there's been uh, lots of talk again of on this sort of scholarly level about whether this is a well written play or not a well written play and I think it was some time ago that uh, there was a general critical agreement that it was not well-written, but that's changed. And I think now the general consensus is that not only is it well-written, it's extremely well-written, <laughs> right? And that, that is part of it, that, that the package, and, and, and I'm jumping all over, but um, Shakespeare may also have been interested in what his audiences were looking for. Audiences were starting to have more of a taste for theater with a mask element in it, um, sort of an expectation of multi-levels of, of entertainment within one package. And so it kind of satisfies that in a way as well. Um, there is a kind of mystery element. There is the dance, the big dance of the satyrs there in, in uh, Bohemia. Um, so that it, part of it may have been wanting to satisfy his audience. Um, but I, I think the structure, uh, and each section, like the Bohemia section, Sicilia first, then the uh, shores of Bohemia with the storm, then the happy fall in Bohemia, and then back to Cecilia. They all depend on each other. Like, they're separate, but not. They need, we don't, Bohemia's beautiful sheep-shearing fall life w- won't have the same impact if we haven't already been to Cecilia, mm-hmm. if we haven't already experienced that dark place. Of doubt and jealousy and and all of those things.
0: In directing it, do you find that um, you try and maintain the stark separation between those tones or do you try and sort of mix them together to reflect the sort of complexity of you know, Bohemia has its darkness too and Cecilia has its moments of light? Um, I
1: think that that some of that does come through. Um, For instance, in um, Cecilia, even in the darkest, darkest moment, uh, we at the beginning we still have Mamilius, who is a little. He's got a little short scene there with his father, and it's a little bright light, a little hope, a little of that, a little foreshadowing. Although poor Mamilius dies in the play, he does give us give us a little taste of the next generation and of hope and of you know that. So that that's embedded in there. Um, in Bohemia and the sheep shearing scene, we have the darkness of. Um, Polixenes revealing himself, throwing off his disguise. Um, so, so there are, you know, the, the, but um, I wouldn't self-consciously try to plant any seeds beyond that. Mm-hmm. I think just let the story tell itself, um, again, because I think they complement each other in their extreme uh, color shift, color differences.
0: Um, And do you have a favorite, it's not produced very often, but it's produced semi-regularly. Have you seen a particular production or adaptation that
1: you think was particularly memorable? I haven't. Um, I missed it, unfortunately, last year with the Groundling Mm -hmm. production. no, no, I'm wrong. I saw, I saw, that uh, it, it was the measure for measure I missed. No, I saw theirs. Uh, yes, no, sorry, scratch that. That was a wonderful production. That was a wonderful production. I'm just putting my brain back in gear here and realizing. Um, and I particularly loved it in a small space. Mm-hmm. That was, that was magical. Um, but other than that, I don't know that I have a favorite production. I'm still looking for it. I'm still waiting for it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, have you seen a good... No,
0: I don't. Well, I liked uh, the Stratford one a few years ago. I remember vaguely liking, but the only thing I remember about it was Tom Rooney as Atollicus. Oh right, the yes. number of productions where the only <clears throat> thing I remember after is, years is, is Tom Rooney as insert. Character. Yes, I know. I, I have the
1: same thing. <laughs> yeah. I know it, it's deadly if he, yeah, <laughs> he it, plays a part.
0: Yeah, no one could touch him. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's one of those ones that I haven't seen very often. I was, I love the ballet version. Yes, him. right, right, right. But it's, it's. Tricky because it, it sort of it, this sounds reductive, but it's a little bit simplified because
1: it yes. is ballet and yes, it's right.
0: missing language and all that kind yeah, of yeah. It's
1: telling the story in a different form. Yeah. So no, I, I understand that. I think I'm still looking for the perfect version of this mm-hmm. of this play.
0: Well, it is sort of interesting to touch on what you were talking about with the idea of updating it to 2017. Yeah. I feel like this play is interpreted less yes, than other things. Right, you know, right. you can see. Um, you know, 27 Macbeths, and you'll see 27 very different yes. Macbeths. Yes, yes. Um, and I yes. don't know if it's because directors think, oh, the audience probably hasn't seen Winter's Tale before, better play it safe, or whether there's, it's because there's so many different layers and so many different already tonal identities to a- accommodate within the play itself. But you tend to see... It yes. played relatively similarly, and then everybody's sort of just trying to get there, yeah, get yeah. To that I think same that's goal. A good point.
1: I think that's a good point. I think that may be part of it. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't want to impose a change on it just for mm-hmm. you know the sake of doing that. And in fact, at any time I've updated uh, any work like this, it's always got to it's got to come from an organic place. It mm-hmm. has to speak to me. I can't I can't sit down and say, "So, what are we going to do with this plate?" <laughs> relevant for 2017 at the, right. my brain doesn't work like that but um, uh, but maybe that maybe you're right maybe it is just wrestling those ideas and and because it is because of the the balance between realism and fantasy in the play mm-hmm. um, it needs to be able to have a fantastical setting that doesn't mean it can't be set in 2017 of course but that may be part of what keeps us with a foot in the past, yeah, in the storytelling.
0: Well, um, it's not necessarily that they're actually set in real places, Bohemia and Sicilia, yeah. so much as just other
1: lands. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. I mean, there's, it's not political, so it, it doesn't beg for a political setting, mm-hmm. right? Um, and his understanding of Bohemia and Sicilia geographically, Shakespeare's was sketchy <laughs> so the countries are just names i think yeah but
0: no. although they seem to have and i don't know if this is just how they're played you know the way that people color code the capulets and the yeah, montague yes but they almost seem to have climates that reflect the tone or perhaps influence the tone of um each of the different pl- locations sort of, but
1: aren't they sort of reversed i mean what 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 is the climate in Sic- Sicilia? I
0: have no idea, but it's almost always played. Yeah, Sicily. when you think yes. of Sicily, you That's think right. of a really beautiful place, but it's always this, That's like, right. grey, dark place stage. And Bohemia, on, stage.
1: Uh, on the other side, is, you know, that, that, that it feels like they're reversed. Mm-hmm. That, that geographically, Bohemia would be the colder, darker place. And like maybe he just named them wrong. Well, uh, <laughs> or, 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 I don't know, he did switch. Uh, his, the, the, the play, the, the story... I've forgotten the name of it, but there's a story that he based his play on. Because of course Shakespeare never yeah. had the original ideas; he didn't need to. He just took great, great ideas and ran with them. Um, this is written by Green. I forget the name of it, but um, the the countries are reversed. Mm. So Shakespeare must have deliberately flopped them. I don't know right.
0: why. Well, it's it's almost like most stagings um, the the climate of the of the look and, and not just the climate but like the style of palace and things yes. like that yeah. it's almost like they're meant to reflect the characters inner yes. journeys yeah. more than the actual climate of the place so it's sort of this yes. weird circular is yeah. everybody depressed and and and, yeah. and hair you know yeah. hairpin triggers in Cecilia because it's like a stark cold sad place yeah. or is it a dark, cold sad place because, because everyone's miserable yeah. yeah and same thing with the sunshine in, yeah. in Bohemia as a metaphor, and sort yeah, of goes exactly. around right? I, think,
1: I mean, I think you've nailed something really, really interesting and important, that that it isn't that um, the, the first part of the story takes place in, say, you know, I don't know, the North Pole, somewhere where it's always crazy. Oh, or, right? yeah, right. It, it It isn't set there. Um, and does that matter? Uh, and it, again, it would affect a production... It's really interesting. You're making me think about this. It's great <laughs> uh, in, in terms of what the design is. Like, what does it what does it look like there? Um, and I've certainly, in the two times that I have done the play, it you know, we I fell right into that trap, and uh, we did we did, Cecilia uh, as dark and cold and one, but it's wonderful and romantic too, right? That <laughs> gothic sort of dark, beautiful stark lines mm-hmm. and ice and you know that, that 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 there's something very romantic about that as a setting but mm-hmm. what would it look like if it was a hot hot sultry place
0: yeah had on a hot tin roof yes. version of Cecilia. I'm loving her. Yeah. You yeah, know, it right. a super
1: rash thing. That's right. Thing. Yeah. And then in Bohemia, they're having this, she- sh- it's a little bit nippy in the air, this sheep shearing. It's a little cold. We've got to yeah. wear some fur, you know, but uh, we're going to have a good time. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. You never know, right? Like, yeah. so um,
0: I'm just after you were, I'm talking about As You Like It and oh, yeah. the production that we're sort of anchoring it around was uh, a, a version that was set in the winter. Oh, yes. And it right. just the way it totally reshapes everything because right. we, yes. we so, so, Associate yep. it with frolicking, right? That's You're right. Frolicking, frolicking in little can, clothes, but you can, yeah, 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 like sort of frolicking out in the sunshine. But you can frolic in the winter. That's right. <laughs> no, I
1: could. This yeah, is this is really great. I said we got to run right out and do a do a production, <laughs> Winter's Tale now. That's, but it, I think part of it too, though. Having said that, is that it's called Winter's Tale, right? But um, it's it's summer in Bohemia. Yeah, that's right. That, well, it's it's in Bohemia. It's fall. Well, it's fall. Yeah, it's fall. Yeah, it's it, it's winter uh in i think i think the script tells us that it's winter in sicilia and fall in in bohemia so there is no summer or spring anywhere in the play Mm -hmm. so that also affects our color palette Mm -hmm. i think when we're when we're thinking about the play
0: well and what's the timeline of the bohemia section like how long does that take um how much does the story from the time
1: jump to the end of the play uh, 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 however long it takes, I mean, uh, again, it's uh, dramatic time versus naturalistic time. They're two mm. separate things, but it's quick as long as it takes to sail. Uh, here, because Bohemia has, miraculously has a coast, which it doesn't have geographically. <laughs> but how long it takes to sail from Bohemia to, to Sicilia, because everything else takes place basically in a day. Right. Then they jump on board and they get to Sicilia. So it's a very, very compact amount of time. Right. That second part of the play.
0: Well, because yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of an interesting idea, this idea that it, it is the fall, but the fall leads into the winter. So by the time we get yes. back to Cecilia, we're it's, oh, kind of back.
1: We're back like to Cecilia where we started, Cecilia lives
0: yeah. in a constant winter. Yeah, that's right. It, it's sort of
1: an interesting, but theoretically yeah. it's going to be a nicer winter this yeah, time. Yes, and around. that's back to what does it look like when we get back there? Yeah. You know, that that's what's interesting to me. What does it look like when we get back there? Is it exactly the same? Well, it isn't. Mm-hmm. It isn't because, because what Shakespeare is interested in is what has happened over time. To Leontes mm-hmm. and what has happened to him over time, so that would have to be reflected in some way, in in, in what what the world is when we get back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Have you ever seen it interpreted where the statue business at the end really is just magic, and that she really did die and it no. wasn't some big? No, uh, I
1: have not seen that. Have you? I've seen that absolutely.
0: Oh. Yeah, it's sort of it. in it, it, it depends on your interpretation of how much magic exists, right? Right. And um, when it's played that way, it always has this sort of like, well, he earned his redemption and thus the universe is rewarding him kind of strangeness.
1: Boy, I challenge that big time. Because first of all, one of the most important things that happens in that scene Mm -hmm. is that Leontes recognizes that the sculptor was so skilled that he imagined her aging. Mm -hmm. So in other words, she is 16 years older. Mm -hmm. So... I feel like Shakespeare is saying, that's the big statement, the flag mm-hmm. that's waving there, is she is, She has aged. Yeah. She has aged 16 years, so she hasn't been dead. Otherwise, why would she not be resurrected exactly as she died? No, I agree, but there's... <laughs> I, so I one of it, those ones <laughs> where people... W- you'll yes, see yes. something and
0: it'll be interpreted completely differently in a way that
1: you hadn't
0: really occurred to you.
1: Well, I wonder if that would be a misunderstanding of what the point of the play is, because I think the point of the play is what, uh, is... is what we were saying earlier about grappling with the issues over time, and does time heal things on both sides? Can Hermione forgive him? Can she heal because it's so traumatizing what mm-hmm. happened to her? And can he forgive himself? And that's massive. I mean, I've I've thought about this. Imagine, God help us, you know, committing murder, whether it's intentional or not. Or not. How do you continue living after that? Like, what is what happens to the human psyche? How do we live with ourselves mm-hmm. uh, after committing something so extreme? And that's what has happened to Leontes. Mm-hmm. He believes that he has killed the t- two things closest, three things closest to him. Yeah. His wife, his daughter, and his son. Mm-hmm. So can, is it possible to heal?
0: Well, on, on the other side of that, though, is it possible to forgive? This woman's been sort of squirreled away. She hasn't been watching... Um, his redemptive arc she's just in hearing reports of it and then she sees him in that final scene but that's sort of it for hermione and where she's at at the end of the play do you think that she's at a place of full forgiveness and where does she go from here
1: yeah I mean that's a really really good point and that's all part of that what's what have they been doing for 16 years question mm-hmm. you know in rehearsal but I think that that um, she uh, uh, that hermione relies heavily on paulina's guidance as does Leontes and she, Polina is the most magical character in in a way in the whole play. The wise woman, right? There's our, there's our woman. Um, And she's monitoring on both sides when they're ready to be able to reconnect. And so she, Polina isn't going to put them together. That statue scene isn't going to happen until all points converge. I think, or you know, from Pauline's mm-hmm. point of view, to the right moment where they can accept it and see it. So that also means Hermione being able to accept, or recognize, or see, or understand uh, how far Leontes has come, mm-hmm. and that it's not just regret in the moment, but that it's a lifetime. 16 years is a lifetime of um, self study, analysis, cleansing, and like like we said, forgiveness, right? That she sees that he has been through that immense journey, which in a way, it could never be the same, but it's close enough to her journey that the two of them can meet on the other side Mm -hmm. does that make sense Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, (laughs) and is the arrival of Perdita and Florizel is that involved in Paulina's decision that this is the moment or is sort of a big happy theatrical coincidence yeah no
1: I think that 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 has to be part of an ingredient in it yeah that uh, yeah I think so um, I mean, again, we don't know. There's nothing in the play that we don't have to justify it, but that's—it's interesting. Yeah, um, it—it's it, great that if—if if it's a coincidence, but it seems like a rather massive one. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: well, but it's Shakespeare.
1: It's so. Shakespeare. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But but it's also—I mean—it's sort of look at it from the other side. Is Perdita there because it's time? You know that that right. this, that she's been brought there too because she's got her own journey mm-hmm. um, and all the decisions made along the way and Autologous, and all that's part of the story. Right, getting them here now. We've again all, all these points of the map are converging mm-hmm. in this moment. That's that's perfect.
0: When we talk about Winter's Tale, we for lots of reasons talk mostly about Cecilia. Is, do you find that there's parts of the the storytelling in Bohemia that get lost along the way? Or are they sort of a diversion, um, just the fun comedy?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really, really good question. Um, I think they're important. They're really important on, on many levels. I think the reason we talk about Cecilia so much is because it is the Le- Leontes-Hermione story that's the main rope that's going through the spine of this thing, right? That's why we keep mm-hmm. coming back to it. Um, but uh, that experience that we have in Bohemia with it's comedy but it's more than that. Um, Autolycus in a way, he's also a bad guy but he's he's a bad guy um, that we can forgive. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's subconscious but somewhere in the back of our minds as an audience we're already in a state of forgiveness in a way. That's like he's a clown, he's um, he's, he's stealing from people but it's done in a way that you can't really be held. I don't know. You know what I mean. You know what I'm saying. So that that that's all wrapped up in uh, in the same themes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we have we haven't talked about it much here, but it's a critical part of the story mm-hmm. that we now look at the frame from the other side, um, and we're not going to have any sort of deep understanding of the process of forgiveness and redemption if we don't see what hope looks like. Mm-hmm. If we don't, I, as an audience now I mean. So I think that's what we're seeing there is is life is bursting through again. Life will come back. You know, you can tar over the ground but the flowers are gonna find a way through again. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Bohemia is about. That's why Perdida is all about flowers. I mean, it's that nature, nature will come back. Mm-hmm. And and nature, sorry, I'm there. but the storm is nature too, right? That 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 that, that, that nature came in and like we're ripping everything apart, bears are coming in, it's like we're ripping the world open and now we've got to replant the seeds. And there is it is possible to heal. It is possible to get through. Mm-hmm. This is actually really great for this time of ours, the Trump years. Maybe maybe Winter a good play. <laughs> we could <can>
0: survive Trump. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, but it, 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 as actually kind of going off of that, there's something interesting about Bohemia in that, like, I tend to think of Polixenes as kind of a dark character. Yes. Obviously, he's yes. so much lighter than Leontes that we we tend to think of him, oh, he's such a nice guy, you know. But he... No, no, yeah. yeah. In Stratford, I think he was Dan Shantroy, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So... Yeah, yeah. Right. But... He he. When he he goes back yeah. home after the events in Cecilia, he's also traumatized. This yeah. incredibly dark thing happens yeah. to him, yeah. and it's almost as if his community is able to thrive regardless and be. Happy, regardless of whatever sadness he's bringing with him back to Bohemia.
1: Yeah, and we only see it; we only get a crack at it when yeah. when he reveals his his disguise. So mm-hmm. That's when we see. Um,
0: well, but the young lovers are driven out of Bohemia, right? right? Like a, in a right. different play, that's Act One. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah you know, yeah, and yeah, off they go yeah. to the forest. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Um, I mean, I wonder it. What do? What does an average Shepherd look like in Cecilia. Yeah. I mean, we just didn't have the camera on them. Yeah, maybe I mean. it's, there's
0: there's class things happening yes. too about where yes. the camera exactly where the camera's is yeah. pointed.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that in Cecilia we're we're, we're pointing at the court and mm-hmm. that that story, and then we get to Bohemia and we're looking at a different layer. So I would say, is it possible that in Cecilia that there's also some right happiness and is life? You know, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> It's an interesting interesting thought. There's a lot in there. There's a lot packed in there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot packed in there. I mean, and I think uh, Polixenes also shows us the responsibility of what a good leader is supposed to be concerned about. But he has also gone to an extreme with it, right? But he is worried about his son uh, making a mistake Mm -hmm. and... um, betraying his calling and not behaving as he should as a royal, as a member of the royal household, right? Um, and that's why he gets so upset about it. Um, but if, no, it's, again, they, you're right, they're, they're, they're flips of each other. hmm
0: Um, and before we get to my final question that we always end with, yes. do you have anything else you want to add about Winter's Tale?
1: Um, Oh my goodness. <laughs> so much. Everything. Yeah, all the yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's right. It's hard to say just like, blah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, not 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 specifically. Um, there's lots to talk about, but yeah. Is there anything you wanted to talk about? It's okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, you might have a chance because the last question okay. is, what is Winter's
1: Tale about? Ah, very good. Very, very good. I mean, I think I've been talking about that to some extent. Yes. Yeah. Um, It's about uh, what is possible. Can time heal? Um, Or for me. This is for me. I mean, God. It's about a million things for different people. Um, Yeah. Can time heal? And uh, what is jealousy? Um, What is that madness? Um, And why can it come and go so quickly? Oh, the other thing we didn't talk about, actually, is the sort of s- Christian world of the non-Christian play, um, and of course, as with all of Shakespeare, it's heavily Christian. I mean, Apollo is God, and um, and uh, that believe or the, the 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 Christian values of goodness and honor and um, yeah. Self-respect and you know all of those things are very heavily present, especially in the character of Hermione. She is such she's a virtuous, uh, spiritual, religious creature, right? right? And then in the same play we have Polina, who must be dabbling in the black arts. Why uh-huh. do you say that? Because she's come up with something, some potion, just like the friar did in Romeo and Juliet, that allows right. Hermione to appear dead. No, I don't know. I just assumed that that was a potion that
0: existed. Oh, I see. <laughs> right, right, right. It's right. such an easy plot device. It just gives him right. a potion. But it does.
1: But it does. It raises that question of who is Paulina? Maybe yeah. that's the other thing we needed to talk about is who is she? Mm-hmm. she there is a kind of wonderful shaman like she's the nanny <laughs> the governess but she's also she has magical powers it seems to mm-hmm. me she is there is a kind of dark artsy part to her that is that, that is also fascinating
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah I wonder why I just yes I've always pictured that she's created a, a potion that Hermione takes that everyone believes that she's dead
0: well, I mean, is the potion
1: even really necessary? It isn't they, they because they send it's somebody state. in
0: and is yeah. like
1: Hermione's dead. I know, but then if you take that logic a little yeah. bit further, you go, okay, so now there's gotta be a funeral and there's gotta be. Ah, well, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I just, it's just me, just me, because I wanted to be. It's just I want more it. fun if she's a witch. That's right. I just want that part. I love it. I it. Yeah, yeah. But that—that's what I think the play is about for me. So,
0: yeah. Okay. And is there anything else you want to say or anything you want to plug? Any of
1: that kind of stuff? Oh no, I don't need to plug anything. But I just <laughs> want to say this is this is terrific fun. I love what you're doing here. This is this is great. This Thank you. My favorite thing in the world is talking to p- people
0: about something they really, really love. Oh, yeah. So I was just like, I want people to talk about their favorite Shakespeare play. I love it. I love it. See,
1: we didn't even talk about Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> <Matt>. <laughs> no, okay.
0: I knew I knew there was going to be some uh, well, one I, I yeah. wanted to save you for something that was like a little more obscure, yeah, right. Because I knew that I could call on you for something <laughs> that other people wouldn't necessarily be able to do, right? Um, but I knew there was going to be a fight over something. Yes. I Hamlet seemed yeah. an appropriate one for yeah.
1: that to be. Well, and it's only because I was just working on it. Like yeah. I've been, I've been steeped in Hamlet for the last year, right? Yeah. So it's really in my in my blood, and it's such a miraculous play, and it's endless. Mm-hmm. It's like the endless onion that you can, and it, it's. Um, you I think you said earlier or maybe you were talking the scottish play but I think you said earlier that there are as many different hamlets or oh, yeah. as there are you know actors yeah. and it's so true that that play uh, and and it, it crosses over all boundaries gender and mm-hmm. age and you know yeah. so it's it's this wonderful amorphous beautiful delicious perfect play <laughs> <laughs> for another time another time
0: <laughs> maybe one day we'll do a big hamlet round table yeah, I'll i think put out the call who has strong feelings about hamlet oh, i think that
1: would be wouldn't that be fun that's yeah. a great idea that is a great idea yeah, i mean i great. just just having worked on that i've just come to the conclusion that every actor in theater school mm-hmm. should work on hamlet mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that every theater school has to do 20 million productions of hamlet but that role is so critical your development as an actor, okay. I've just, you know, really discovered that. Um, so I you know, head out on that crusade to convince theater schools to do to do Hamlet uh, in, in class. Yeah, right? so everybody. where
0: everybody has to play everybody. the title role. Yeah. You don't, ha- you're not yeah. forever a Horatio.
1: That's correct. Yeah, but Everybody, oh, well, when I did this thing, uh, I was just at uh, Grenfell Memorial University in, in uh, Newfoundland, that's where I used to do it. I did something that I called the bootleg Hamlet that was in a class and we just, as, a, as an ensemble, Everybody, we took a, a, a stone and skipped it across the play and so did you know a little bit of this scene and a little bit, bit of that monologue and the ensemble all got a chance to play Hamlet at some point and that was really interesting mm-hmm. to see how rich that was and what it pulled out of them, where it made them go and how that was different from playing Horatio mm-hmm. or anybody else.
0: Well, and it is also, it's one of those parts that doesn't have any specific, um, it's not like Richard III, where everybody yes, has a sort of thing right. that unifies them yep. as this is what they Richard the III yes. is. Yep. They, everyone's Hamlet is so reflective of who they are as yep. a person and how that's different that um, this is a silly example, but uh, in season three of So You Think You Can Dance, they oh, did at yes. one point, they someone choreographed a solo and every single contestant had to do that same oh. exact solo. Right. And you saw the same thing. Thing 10 times or however many people were left at yeah. that point and it was completely different every time just right. because of how that particular dancer yes. or perhaps a more sophisticated example is if you see um, our, one of our ballet critics saw Winter's Tale and Nijinsky three or four times each because they have different casts every right. night right. and so she saw you know three different Leontes and three different whatever and just how that individual artist's identity informs something where they're doing literally the same words, the same moves, the same whatever your medium is.
1: Well, beautiful, exactly. Well, what I've discovered with Hamlet is that it's so malleable, that role is so malleable that it doesn't even seem like you're looking at an interpretation of a character. Mm -hmm. It's beyond that. It's, it's that it sits so personally on each person that you believe you're seeing what was written, what was intended, mm-hmm. and no matter how different it is. Like, it's 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 not true of all of Shakespeare's characters. Mm-hmm. You know, I would definitely not say the same of, of Leontes or, yeah. you know what I mean? So, anyway, that's that. There, we, that's, that's <laughs> there. That. we knew we'd I talk about it. We Hamlet I at know some we, point. It. <laughs> great. Thanks so much, Janet. Oh, it's awesome, thank you, Kelly. That's great, that's great. So
0: that's our episode for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to search My Entertainment World in your podcast catcher to get the entire Shakespeare series as we work our way towards all 38 plays. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz. Myentertainmentworld.ca is the website. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you next time.